artists like Ashanti, D Smoke, K Camp and Trinidad James. It was great to sit and chat to him ahead of his homecoming tour in Texas. Here's David. Uh, the weather's nice here in Texas. It's very, very hot. How hot are we talking? Um, I wish I knew in Celsius, but we hit about like north of 100 wow. every day. <laughs> so so this summer we had like, I want to say like 30 or so days, maybe more than that, in a row where we were north, like more than 100 degrees. That's terrifying. It's like like 27 degrees here. I don't know what that is in um, Fahrenheit, but I think it's everyone's really, dying really, in London. Really not hot, but... <laughs> we can't cope with it. No. Definitely couldn't do that for like more than two weeks. When um, you open your door... I want to say in the morning, let's say 10 a.m., 11 a.m., uh-huh. it feels like you opened up an oven. You know when you're like opening up your oven and it really feels like the air is just hitting you in the face with heat. Oh, so. my God. Yeah, I was in New York like a month ago. Like we landed in and then like when the plane doors opened, it was like a different heat that I've ever experienced. I felt like I'd stepped out of a shower and it was like muggy as hell. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know how you guys cope with that. I ask myself that sometimes too. I played sports when I was younger too. I ran track and I played American football like outside and I'm like, I don't even know how we did that. (laughs) I don't know what that was on back then. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Seeing as you just got back. Yeah, thank you for having me back. Yeah, I, I, I liked... I like scheduling it right after a little vacation. It makes me feel like I'm back. Yeah, you're achieving things. So how did you and Ant meet then? You you do So Far Sounds over here, right? Yeah, I did a So Far. I did two So Far Sounds in London. And mm-hmm. then like between them, I played a show in Shoreditch at a place called Road Trip. Cool. Shout out to Ant. He came to two shows. Uh, so then, yeah, we, we stayed connected. It was pretty cool. That's cool. So on a scale of shit to together, how are you feeling today? Okay, uh, that's a good question. On a scale from shit to together, I want to say today in particular, I'm feeling pretty together. So closer to together than shit. Yeah, I have like a pretty eventful September planned. Um, I have a show, I have another so far show here actually uh, this weekend. In Texas? Down here in Austin. So after that, in about two, three weeks, I'm doing a Texas tour. um, And then we're doing one date in Canada. So I'm playing um, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, and Austin. Wow. And the following week, I'm playing one date in Canada and Montreal, so... You've got plans. <laughs> when I have things, like, planned like that, yeah. moving like that, I feel pretty good. Yeah. I feel like there's something to look forward to. And so that's what makes me feel, like, you know, pretty together. Yeah. So you're, am I right in thinking you're from Canada? Yeah, so my, uh, yeah, my upbringing is, it gets confusing. That's what people always okay. ask. Are you from Canada? With, like, a question mark, but... <laughs> So, um, yeah, my entire family's from Congo, the Democratic Republic okay. of Congo, formerly known as mm-hmm. Zaire. And so I was born in France. So my, my mother okay. left Congo. I was born in France, but I was just there as a baby. And so once we moved, once I was like maybe one years old, we moved to Montreal, Quebec. Uh-huh. And so I lived in Montreal for quite some time until I was about nine. And then we moved to Texas. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I was going to ask how you ended up there. Yeah. So I am originally, yeah. you know, 
my original citizenship is Canadian, but um, I have lived the majority uh-huh. of my life in Texas. So, yeah. But we did in the summers. We always went back to Canada. You know, uh, my family that was in Montreal eventually they moved to Toronto. Um, and so we, we were moving back, we were going back and forth a lot. And then in middle school, I spent like a year, I spent a year in, in Toronto with my, with my, I guess my other family, my aunt and my cousins. And so, uh, I, I've always felt still Canadian, you know, you know, I've, I've always had yeah. that connection still, but, uh, my home, my, my predominant home is, uh, Texas. Yeah. Do you go back to France at all? Yeah. I go back to France every now and then, um, you know, Congolese people, like you'd be hard pressed to find a Congolese person that doesn't have family in Paris, you know, or in France, yeah. you know, so we're pretty, uh-huh. we're pretty, uh, we're pretty deep out there. So I go back there pretty often for like to see family or maybe there's a wedding going on sometimes, yeah. maybe something more unfortunate, but it might be like a, a funeral going on, but there's always some kind of family like affairs going on in my, in, uh, in Paris. Yeah. So I do go back to Paris pretty often. I'd say like every year, every other year. Or so but I do feel that way about London as well in terms of like it's a very diverse city I think it's probably the most diverse city I personally visited and so I have a lot of family in London as well Uh and so yeah I feel that way I mean I've I've been to London for weddings and you know other family gatherings as well um London is nice. It's very large, um, and it's large. Even, even for being in America, I find all the cities in America are huge. Yeah, we do have. But big... maybe it's like height of buildings. Yeah, we do <laughs> have we do have big cities and giant buildings. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. But I do think that, like, particularly in Texas, for example, our cities yeah. are big, like Texas, like Dallas, Houston, but they're very spaced out. Like, so yeah. there's a lot of space between where the like the main population is, if that makes sense. I feel mm-hmm. like when I'm in mm-hmm. London, there's not much, it's like, it's populated. You know? So what does having your shit together mean to you then? Yeah, I mean, it, it means something to me that it might mean differently to other people, but I think that, I think two things. I think one, if you're on some kind of path or some kind of journey or doing what you want to do, like what yeah. you actually enjoy doing or want to want to do, if that makes sense, or yeah. if you're at least like headed that way, or you think you're headed that way, I think that is a form of having your shit together. But yeah. I think another version of that also is, and it's, it might be, it might come off as unfortunate that we live in such a like monetarily focused society, you know, but mm. I, I've always felt like if you got your bills paid, you have your shit together. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if, yeah, if everything yeah. is, if you have a certain level of self-dependency and everything is taken care of, yeah. And you have your shit together. You might not be able to move like some people do on Instagram with, you know, bottle popping and taking jets mm. everywhere and whatnot. But if your shit is taken care of and you're living a life that you want to live or headed that yeah, way, yeah. I think that's, that's it's as simple as simple as that. Yeah, it's like it's like the pursuer of something, isn't it? I remember like reading something that was like, you know, if, if you just clicked your fingers and you got to the top of the mountain, then you'd probably feel quite unsatisfied. It's like literally the journey and every day is the thing that makes you happy because you know that you're um, pursuing the goal yeah. and that's the thing that drives people. 100% is it's general. Yeah. It's, it's actually the, the pursuit of happiness, you know? For, yeah, it is, isn't know, it? Uh, for lack of cliche, but yeah, it's definitely like, if you're after it, then that, that's what makes it cool, I think. Mm-hmm. So when did you get into music then? Um, I started rapping, like writing raps when I was really young. I want to say like 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, I moved from Quebec to Texas. So from like a 
French-speaking city to an English-speaking city, so or country. Yeah. And so um, I spoke no English when we first moved to Texas. Wow. So they just threw me into the like the lines then. You know, I spoke <laughs> zero English. Oh my god. My brother's a little older than me when we moved, so he kind of had it just because like um, I don't know. He watched a lot of movies, listened to a lot of hip hop, but I yeah. really spoke like not a lick of English. So wow. one way like. I learned English was from watching sitcoms and TV shows that I, I knew of. I watched a lot of Fresh Prince. I watched The Simpsons a lot because The Simpsons, <laughs> like, if you understand the context, you're like, okay, I understand what's going on here. Yeah, 90s cultural references there. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very much dating myself. But another way that I, uh, that helped me learn the language was like being obsessed and like focused with rappers' lyrics. And so yeah. eventually I started listening to rappers and trying to rewrite exactly what they were saying. So this way I could mm. understand or like really see their lyrics. And so when I was um, writing, I would write other rappers, you know, the rappers that did the most, or at least started with was Nas, Method Man and Red Man in particular. Those rappers, I would write back their lyrics. And over time doing that to learn words and being, you know, really kind of encapsulate myself in like vocabulary. Yeah. It helped me learn English, but it also made me feel like, oh, I could do this myself. You know what I'm saying? So I started writing my own yeah. words and lyrics and whatnot and rhymes. And um, that's what got me into like just writing raps and making songs and, you know, just being in that in that environment. But over time, that's when I want to say, like, I picked up how to rap. But mm-hmm. when... It comes to like professional rapping. When I was in college is when I started playing shows, you know, playing at bars and venues and and uh, moving in that in that way. And I, I want to say that was, that was around 2000. Damn, that was a long time ago. That was around like 2011 <laughs> or so, 12. Yeah, uh-huh. was when I started playing sh- playing shows, doing open mics, just like actively being out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do feel like I've had like a resurgence in my music career post pandemic. During the pandemic, I put together. I was able to put together a band because everyone was at home, you know what I'm saying? So especially <laughs> musicians, there wasn't shows or concerts or anything going on like that. We were doing virtual concerts and things like that, which was cool, but it wasn't, you know, what it is now, or what it was yeah. supposed to be, I guess. And so I was able to put together like a band that like encapsulated the right sound, the sound that I was looking for. And with that, I started getting booked way more, playing a lot of shows, very actively playing. And so I still kept that wow. hip hop aspect in my music, of course. Um, it's still hip hop, of course, but just with you know live instruments from time to time. But um, yeah. that's when I feel like I've been on this particular trajectory where I'm like playing a lot, I'm getting more exposure. Um, there's more active fans and listeners, you know, that that are uh, looking out for my music, expecting my music, yeah. listening to my music daily, and mm. and then I feel like that's how that's what brought me to this point. Because then I got to play overseas, I got to play around the country. Um, uh, I made you know some connections in in France and in London, and yeah. and that's what brought me here. So if the question is how did I get into rap, I think there's been like three different times that I got into rap. If that makes <laughs> different sense. eras, um, that's amazing. I, I feel like it's quite a common story. I think for a lot of musicians during COVID, kind of going back and reassessing what they were doing and like building on it and coming out with something different. Yeah, one hundred percent. I I do think that I think at first I think a lot of creatives and artists were almost under pressure, you know, because people, a lot of people would say like, oh man, you got all this time to yourself, so you must be just like writing Ow. novels and yeah, like yeah. albums. Yeah, I was like trying to write a fucking novel or something, I was yeah. like, I just felt this pressure to achieve, it was insane. I know, it's, uh, it's like, it, I think that I spent the first part of the pandemic, uh, and maybe a lot of other artists did the same, 
just living, you know, like thinking. Yeah. Which is, I think that maybe you understand this, and a lot of other people might understand this, that, like, in order to make songs or write anything or come up with anything, mm. not just songs, even if you're coming up with apps or clothing lines, you got to, yeah. like, live. You have to have inspiration from the world or from life. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so I think that, like, it gave me, me personally, a lot of time to just live and sit in my thoughts and mm. read, watch movies, you know, listen to music yeah. that I might not listen to. Uh, maybe I wasn't listening to at that point. Um, and then, yeah, and then the creativity yeah. started to come and then, like, the 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 project management started to come. Where I was like, oh, no, I got to mm. put together this band, play this show. Yeah. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing once we get out, you know? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that yeah. it was... I do believe that, for me, I do think that the pandemic and COVID, um, it was a catalyst, like a creative catalyst for me to, mm. um, to just, I guess, even get more focused, if you will. Yeah. But it's like going back to go forwards. It's like what you said, you're kind of schooling yourself again whilst you're in there so that you can move forwards. Yeah, 100%. Like a, it's a step back to really give you perspective. And that perspective mm, is mm-hmm. what gives you uh, creativity. Amazing. Okay, so we asked you to prepare an object that makes you feel like you've got your shit together. Do you know what that is? Yeah. The reason why it's tough to visually show it is I wanted to mm-hmm. say my rhyme book but it's not really even my rhyme book. What it really is is like almost like a rhyme book library. Because what I have is many different notebooks of lyrics and rhymes that oh. are, are like operating differently. So I have some lyrics oh and God. rhymes that are just created, they're just just living there for me to like memorize. So the, the okay. most of the pages are already you know written and whatnot. And they're there for me to read and memorize and completely understand, like not understand, but like never lose those lyrics in my mind, if that makes sense. And so when I visualize the lyrics, when I see the lyrics on the page is how when I'm on stage or in the studio, I know that I can visualize where it was on the page. And that's how I don't, you know, I don't forget my lyrics. I think that I'm pretty good at memorizing my my songs. That's what makes for good songs and good performances and whatnot. Then I also have rhyme books that are created in general, they're not created, but like they're—it's almost like the engineer to just write into, right? So I write, okay. I write, I write. I'm actively writing in this one book. So this one I'm uh-huh. actively writing. This one I'm actively reading. And there's another rhyme book that I keep, <laughs> and that one is to bring to the studio just to make sure, like, in case there might be some annotations or some changes that need to happen when you're in the studio. Because uh-huh. usually I don't like to read when I'm in the studio to record because it comes out a little more natural. But if something changes, I have the like support notebook there. Yeah. And yeah. so th- that little rhyme book library I have, <laughs> all of that, I also have a digital version of it. So I do wow. have, I take all those words and then I transfer them to online, well, you know, on, on Google yeah, Sheets yeah. or whatnot and type them all out. And so that, you know, uh, tangible aspect of like rhymes is something that makes me feel like I have my shit together. Amazing. So when you say like a rhyme book, are you talking like like lines that pop into your head that you'll like catch and put it down and then kind of come back to use if you're like writing a song or something and you've got it as like a reference? Yes. So there's there's yeah. the rhyme book itself is, is like that in, in two aspects. So there's one version of it. There's, there's some pages in it that are like, oh, this is a cool line or this is a good rhyme. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is maybe just a good word that I haven't used before that yeah. I feel like I can... Um, I can feel like I feel like I can in, involve in some of my my future lyrics or whatnot, mm-hmm. or ideas even. Sometimes it's just an idea, but then yeah. in that same page there'll be a verse. 
they'll be like, or wow. in that same book, there'll be like an actual yeah, verse yeah. that's just actually like structured verses. And so uh-huh. this verse might be 16 measures, 12 measures, four measures. And then two pages later, there might be a, another verse that's four measures, eight measures, whatever. Yeah. Once the song comes out or, you know, people wouldn't know this, I guess, unless if they were reading it, but like I then sometimes piece up different verses or different mm. stanzas, really. And that makes an yeah, entire yeah. verse. Or I might piece up different stanzas and then go get another stanza or paragraph. And that that paragraph that I just reached for, that might be the chorus or a hook or a bridge wow. that pieces up into the verse. And so that's why I have a rhyme book that I can go into. It's almost mm-hmm. like making like a, like a collage, you know what I'm saying? But then like, yeah, yeah. I, I have the other rhyme book that's really like, this is a song, right? You look at it and it's like, uh-huh. oh, this is an actual like, there's a song in here. There's a song yeah, written yeah. here. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like something I adapted or picked up as a kid because mm. I used to think of something and I was afraid I would lose it. So immediately I would pull out my rhyme book and, and, and write yeah. it. And I would have my rhyme book on me a lot. I, would, I was the type of kid that would carry around a backpack almost everywhere I went. So like, so I would sit down <laughs> and write, no, I got to have my book. So yeah. I had a moment once in... Toronto. I had to go to Montreal. Mm-hmm. I don't know how well people know, you know, this that country, but mm. it's essentially a long train ride or bus ride from the center center of Canada yeah, to yeah. the far east coast. And so you have to stop in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And when I got off and stopped in Ottawa, I left my book. I left my like no, book I was riding on. And I left it because I left it under the under this, the bus seat. So oh, shit. I remember. At one point, I'm calling the bus company and I'm like, it looks like this. It's a binder and inside there's a, there's a yellow folder and all this. Yeah. I need this. And so it was, they went through this whole like wild goose chase to find this book and they <laughs> sent it all the way to Toronto. So when I came back home, I went to the union station to pick it up. And I remember this, this young lady came out and she was like, is this the book you were looking for? Or, I mean, the notebook you're looking for? So she gives it to me. And I'm like, yeah. yes, like, thank God. Like, you just saved my day. And she, she says is this all it was, just this notebook? And I was like, if only you knew. You have much, no idea. <laughs> how much mental power is within this oh notebook. Oh my so, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm pretty attached yeah. to it. That's amazing. Because I, I write a bit. I do um, like spoken word poetry, like performance poetry. If like a line or something comes into my head or like inspiration strikes, I have to write it down into the notes on my iPhone. But I am like terrified if ever like my phone gets stolen or something like that, because that is all of my like intellectual property. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I do think the iPhone notes has like changed my life, I'm not going to lie. Because now, now I can just so easily just type to it, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I used, I used to be and like, you can edit really quickly. Yes. Like, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's amazing. It's a life changing. I used to be so yeah, attached yeah. to like any kind of physical notebook, but no. Mm. But I do feel like a satisfaction out of, out of writing it, I think. Like, yeah, like, well, I it. start with like the iPhone notes and then it, once I've got like a finalized poem, I write it into a book. That's like my process of doing it. Yeah, that's what you call, you know, a merge of technology. <laughs> in your life where you felt like you really had your shit together? Uh, a time in my life where I felt like I had my shit together. I want to say um, very recently with the opportunity of being able to play in Europe. Um, yeah. Playing shows in Paris and in London. Wow. And then a few months later we came down and I played a, a Texas tour. It really made me feel like I was living the life, you know, like I had a conversation with my brother and he was like, man, like you are doing what you said you were going to do. You know, when you were, when you were so younger, wild, so it's, yeah. it is, um, 
even though I still personally believe I have some climbing that I need to do, I do think mm-hmm. that I I feel like I am, like I said before, I'm on the journey of which that like I, yeah. I set out for myself. And so the time I really felt like I had my shit together, I want to say in particular when I was in London and we played um, that venue in Shoreditch, mm-hmm. Road Trip Workshop, I think is the, is the name of it. And people were loving it. It was really cool. Like the crowd was so in love cool. with the set. The band loved, you know, that 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 experience and everyone, I yeah. feel like everyone in the room was just very happy. You know what I'm saying? Be, being able to make music, listen to music, enjoy music. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that was a moment I walked out of that, that venue thinking like, man, I, I really think we got our shit together. So Things have just kind of aligned a little bit. Yeah, the stars yeah. definitely aligned on that particular yeah. night. So, uh, Do you think you're able to like, you know, what you were saying about feeling like you have room to climb? I mean, everyone does always but like do you feel like you're able to give yourself props for like and like take that moment in and be like wow like I've actually done that thing or or is the part of you that's like always chasing yeah I will say and like maybe that's an issue of mine but I do think the moment where I'm like "Ah, I did it I'm proud we did a good job it is there it's real you know it's something Uh I really feel it is a little short-lived I think that like (laughs) Maybe even the next day, I'm already thinking about like, uh, what are the moves? What are the next moves we need to do? Mm-hmm. You know, like, or also I'm already like critiquing what we did last night. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. did we do this set correctly? Like, did we finish? Did we close correctly? Like, did we, did we get the right amount of media that we needed to do? What are we going to, mm-hmm. how are we going to post this and share this? How are we going to capitalize on this particular, um, this particular night or show or venue yeah. or time? So I do think that my mind does kind of have a battle of like, hey, mm. you're not good enough. Do better. And hey, yeah, good yeah. job, you know, appreciate this moment as well. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit of both, probably more of uh, what's the next move on us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's so normal, though. And it kind of brings it back to what we were talking about at the beginning, which was like when you're on that journey and you're constantly just striving forwards as well. And I feel like so many creative people are never satisfied because there's always something yeah better to achieve you know 100% and then even just in the particular art itself like sometimes if people mm. play some of my old songs if I listen to some of my old songs some of my old mixes I'm thinking to myself like damn we probably could have went in for another session for this and probably like EQ oh some God. of these drums yeah, yeah, and maybe yeah. like the bass line could have been yeah. uh you know optimized a little bit better so I do I do catch myself like still trying to fix certain yeah. things um yeah. but sometimes you just have to accept that like that was at that time that was like the best that you could do and surely you want to be improving so if you're looking back five years and you're like oh god I'd do this differently now like that is surely a good sign that you have like improved in those five years you know 100% I do think that's something that uh that makes me feel good about myself that like the Mm -hmm. idea that like oh it's not so much that's like oh man I hate this I'm already thinking like I know what I would have changed you know what I'm saying so I do think that is a thing that like it is a a level of personal growth um Mm. that's it's necessary, but also that you can't, you know, be obsessed with too much. You know, if it's yeah, at one yeah. point, it's like, yo, this song was dope and it happened. You know, this show was great <laughs> and it happened and just enjoy yeah. that. So, yeah, you got to let it go. Um, OK, can you speak of a time in your life where you didn't have your shit together? Yeah, I want to say I had a moment. It's not super. Well, OK, so even though I've been rapping for a long time, mm-hmm. there's a moment in my life where I wanted to be uh I wanted to be a coach, a football coach is what I thought. That's the life I thought I was going to live. And so with that, so I was, I played one year of college football. So Um, how old was this? How old were you? I was 18, 18, 19. So 
I played one year in college football, um, but I had an issue here in the States with my like Canadian citizenship or whatnot. So mm. all that to explain that I went back to Canada to fix some of my papers, I guess. Yeah. And on my way back into the U.S., I was essentially, I was deported. So I was in like, what? I was denied readmission into the United States at that, at oh that moment. Gosh. And so I was thinking, I'm coming back, I'm going to go back to school, trying to figure out my, like, you know, figure out yeah, my, yeah. my finances. And then, you know, I'll play another season of football and then I'll stay on that trajectory to, to coach. But when I got there to the border, as kids, when we were young, the reality is we were living in the U.S. undocumented. And so right. um, a lot of, a lot of people do it, but we yeah, did it, course. you know, from the Canada side. And so yeah, yeah. this guy, when I'm at the, when I was at the border, he's like, I don't know how to explain it, but he, he figured everything out. He, he looked at all the papers and he was like, hey, man, how long have you been doing this? And I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure what you're talking about, officer. And he yeah. said, and he had all my movements. He knew where, where I went to school, where my family's yeah. addresses were, my last yeah, three yeah. addresses or whatnot. And so, so then the guy's like, hey, you committed a, a crime. You've committed a immigration oh, violation. Right. And so the um, penalty for this violation you've, put, you've committed today is 10 years exile, is what he says to me. What? Yes, that's what he says to me at the at the border, not at the border, but at the kiosk. And so oh he's like, Oh my God, that is such a heavy thing. I to know. And I'm like, He's like, Yeah, 10 years exile. So go ahead and sit over there. We'll, you know, we'll get the paperwork done. I'm like, Okay. I'm like, Relax. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point, my, my knees buckled, but then I'm like, no, 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 relax, relax. What what do we need to do to get uh-huh. to to not make this happen? You know. So I'm trying to have a conversation with the cops, essentially, they're like border cops. Oh my god. Yeah. And yeah. the guy, he puts me on my seat, uh, on the in my chair, puts my hand behind my back. I'm like, yo, this is happening. I'm actually getting wow. like, yeah. Essentially kicked out of the U.S. But then there was another cop that's there. They're looking through my stuff. They're running through my bags as if, like, I don't yeah, know, they yeah. thought I was moving weight or something. Yeah, and they find my college transcript. They bring me back up. They're like, all right, bro, we see that you have nothing on your criminal record. You're just trying to go back to school. Yeah. So we're going to act as if today didn't happen. You do have to go back to Canada. But when your papers are back in order, you can come back. And so I spent, okay. like, a year and a half in Canada. And, like, oh the gosh. moment, though, that they let me leave, I had just enough money for the bus fare back. Like, for the bus fare back from, from Buffalo back to Toronto. I had just enough oh cash for that. And then when I got back to the Union Station, I took the city bus to get back to my aunt's crib. Thankfully, my aunt was still living up there. But that particular moment of me going back home, like, going back into Canada, oh my gosh. in my yeah. mind, I was like, damn, I don't know what kind of life I'm about to live. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, oh my God. I didn't really feel like I had my shit together because I'm like, I guess I had this whole, like... But well, you hadn't even like visualized it. Like, yeah, I had this whole life. You were going back to America. What? Yeah. It wasn't gonna happen. But that particular time, that day, that time, that moment is what got me back into music. Because I was like, I don't think coaching is it. Football is it for me. You know, because I was so obsessed yeah. with like playing more seasons, which I could yeah. have, but I lost the season pretty much. And I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get in my same mental shapes and mental motivation as that I, yeah. that I needed. And I went back and just focused on just writing a million pages of lyrics wow. and rhymes and whatnot. And um, that moment where Gosh. I felt like I didn't have my shit together, I think, like, slingshotted me into getting my shit together. Yeah. I mean, amazing that it did. But, like, oh, my God. Like, did you have any 
awareness of how like you say it took a year did you know how long the papers were going to take or anything like that or were you just kind of nah i i had hope oh my you know, god i, I hope it was like at least a year because i don't yeah. want to lose, lose more years of school but um yeah no nah, it was just kind of in my mind it's like hey if the papers come through they come through i don't know because so we nice. submitted them a long time ago that's the thing yeah, we yeah. submitted those when i was you know like a child still yeah. so uh, but yeah, I will say that moment where the guy was like, yeah, man, he said it so nonchalantly, like, yeah, uh, 10 years exile. So yeah, go ahead and sit down over there. I was like, Fucking yo, <laughs> relax, man. 10 years is a big number. And 10 years is crazy <laughs> because that's like, that would have almost been about like two years from now, like two years ago. Oh my God. You know what I'm right. saying? Almost like that would have been like, that was, that would be me coming back into the States. Yeah. And so 10 years is, is a while, but I mean. Dodge that bullet. So oh good my now. god, that's insane. So what was it like that got you through then music and refinding that? Um, you know, what it was was one was like I just had so much time to myself. Like mm. I lived in my mom, my auntie's I mean, I lived in my auntie's crib, but like I spent most of the time in the basement. So I was in the basement by myself. I worked nights. Yeah. You know, I took the bus everywhere. So all I did was write, write, write on the bus. I, all I had yes. was my rhyme book and then like my iPod. This is before smartphones. So all I did, was, and then yeah, I mean, yeah, I had yeah. a couple books. All I really did was like read books and write and listen to music all day. I didn't have that many friends. And so wow. because I wrote so much music and I had so much time to plan in my head, you know, yeah. it made me realize like, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. But I will wow. say I had a real particular moment. Uh, one of my favorite artists, Lupe Fiasco, came to perform in Toronto. And it was the first time I like bought my own ticket and went to a concert, mm -hmm. really, like ever in my life. So I went to this rap concert, this rap show by myself, solo dolo, no, you know, I was like, I gotta go see this artist that I like. And yeah. seeing the production up in my face like that, like really real time experiencing that is when I was like, nah, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, mm -hmm. this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love sports, I love, I love football and all that, but. I really felt something that day. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. felt like tangible feelings within me. So I was like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then that that really gave me very profound and clear motivation to continue on the on the music route. That's so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Three things that make you feel like shit. Um, yeah, I have a few. <laughs> so mm -hmm. one thing I wanna say the one thing, maybe main thing, it might be related to other things is um like idleness, like inactivity. Uh -huh. So yeah, I feel yeah. like if I'm sitting or not doing anything for too long, yeah, I start to get in my head. Mm. You know, I start to almost like judge myself in my head as in like, I should be productive. I should do something today or something with the day or move around somehow or somehow create some kind of uh, activity, even if it's yeah, just like yeah. planning or doing movement, you know. Yeah. When I'm sitting around for too long, it, it makes me feel like I wasted the hours. And I'm not saying that's yeah. the right way of thinking, but it is something that, like, I look at the time and I'm like, damn, it's 1 p.m. What did I do with my life today, you know? Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> that kind of inactivity really makes me feel, honestly, makes me feel kind of low. It makes me feel like, like shit. Yeah, like, yeah. You have to explain that. And as, in like, as in, like, I should take this day. I, I just took a day for granted. I, should, I just took an hour for granted, wow. you know, so... That's something that I've been trying to like tell myself to not do so much, but that is something yeah. that makes me feel like shit. Another thing is like I get immediate judgment from eating bad. You know what I'm saying? Like okay, well, like judging yourself, judging myself. Yeah, from eating yeah. like I'm eating something that that's like I don't know. I don't know if I want to say like bad quality, but just like not healthy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that kind of mentality sometimes immediately affects me as I'm like, damn, like what kind of person are you, David? You know what I'm trying to say? So, <laughs> yeah. but. It's, um, I do kind of have a kind of mentality where my head's kind of like a balance where it's like, I might judge myself and immediately try to correct, self-correct myself in my head, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, um, 
those are things that make me feel like shit. But one thing that yeah. I think is really about like the times mm-hmm. we live in is if I take too long to respond to someone, yeah, like via text message or email, I I'm, I go on this whole self spiral of like, damn. I do this. It's like the anxiety like eats me up to the point where I like leave it for longer and then it gets worse because I'm like ashamed of the fact that I didn't respond. Also, I have to tell myself like, I'm fine if people take time to respond to me. I don't know why I put this pressure on myself that I'm like, you're a shit person for not replying to your friend. That's exactly how my mind works. It's wild, if I, if it? I go like a whole, let's say I went a day without responding, then yeah. I, won't, I won't know what to say. Like I won't be able to be like, yo, damn, sorry I didn't text you. It took a whole day. So then I'm like, shit, I, I gotta think about what I'm gonna say. And then that oh day becomes God. two weeks, and I'm like, wow, I'm, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> and then it gets worse. And then you message them, and you're like, I'm really sorry, and they're like, mate, it's fine, don't worry about it. Yeah, I know. I wasn't it's even like, thinking about you, it, and you just wasted so much energy on it. You created all this for no reason, but um. What do you think that is? I think that, I think I'm a pretty social person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like yeah, yeah. I like to speak to people, and so there's something about it that makes me feel, I feel dismissive if I don't respond yeah, to someone, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So I feel like that's someone that's a friend of mine, even if it's not a yeah. friend of mine, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I just I just dismiss that person and it makes me feel rude. And I, that's one thing yeah. I don't ever want to feel, you know, I don't want to yeah, feel yeah, yeah. rude towards people or like yeah. mean or angry or something. And my mind starts spiraling that's in like, damn, I, it's almost as if, what if I was walking down the street and your boy or your homegirl was like, hey, what's yeah. good? And you just completely like beeline, just did not uh-huh. look at them, you know? Like I feel that yeah, way yeah. virtually as in like, bro, you just completely ignore that person. <laughs> Which is so mad, you would never do that. And I, like, I think the problem is like, kind of what you were saying about the times now, it's that, that accessibility that we have to everyone constantly. And like, you know, before iPhones and stuff like that, you'd send an email and like you'd wait for someone's response but like everyone is just constantly reachable and because like we have our phones on us constantly we know that other people have their phones on them constantly so therefore you feel more ignored because you know that they probably could just text you right but that's not normal (laughs) yeah and then it's worse when you see that person yeah you're checking your phone and like oh wow so you yeah, do yeah. use your phone and it's like, nah, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> but I do think that we have an accessibility issue these days. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like it's almost like yeah. we, we should have like hours where, cause back in the day, you know, you, you call somebody. So there's only certain yeah. times I can actually call you. But now, mm-hmm. even now, I, I might think of something. I'm like, oh, let me send this text message to, to my friend or this engineer or anybody. It's like 1 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like. And it's on your mind. I, I do it to Ant all the time with this fucking podcast because obviously we're working together. And like for both of us, I think we just assume that we're both accessible all the time. And then it's like 10.30 p.m. and we're both talking about this podcast. And then I can't sleep because my mind's just like buzzing <laughs> off it. Like it is. It's like having boundaries around it, isn't it? And also I find it as well, like. I think most people will go to bed and have their phone next to them and then they'll wake up and then immediately you've just got about 10 texts waiting for you. Yeah. And it's like someone's literally, like, it's like having five people walk into your bedroom in the morning, sit on the bed and just start talking to you before you've even, like, decided how you feel about the day yourself. You, you met with, like, five different people's emotions. It's such a crazy thing. That's what we do to ourselves. I never thought of it that way, but that's 100% yeah. true. Like, yeah, it really is, like, four people barge into your crib at yeah, 8 a.m. Yeah. Like, hey, what's good? And so yeah. I've been trying to put my phone like across the room when I go to sleep because <laughs> See, it's true. Otherwise I'll roll up and I'm just in my phone. Yeah, it's that wild, can't, isn't it? It can't be healthy. No. It can't be normal for Awful. like the mind. 
And I'll like delete like social media, but then because because I'll still want to scroll something for fucking gratification, I'll start scrolling the news, which is just miserable all the time. So it's just it is. There's just no like boundaries away from any of it. It's it's wild. I do the exact same thing. So I'll, I'll yeah. delete Instagram, and I'm like, alright, cool. I'm I'm back. I'm refreshed, and I just start scrolling <laughs> the next app. You know, what I'm saying I'm scrolling like I'm not going Reddit or but like you say yeah. like the news. Uh, mm. I'll scroll I'll scroll the randomest things because it's just like I need I. They've conditioned Gratification. me to scroll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've yeah, they've all the apps the same way. So I'll scroll. Yeah. I'll scroll Amazon. I'll scroll like you know, <laughs> like shopping, like online shopping. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. if I'm not buying anything, but I'm just scrolling. So it's like just scrolling. I've got to find a way to just like not be on my phone. Scroll? Something I'm trying to yeah. I'm trying to figure out. Like I'm trying to like go out without my phone, for example. Like go link uh, up with my. Uh, I'll be there at seven. But now you can't even mm-hmm. do that because like okay, what if you can't they don't show it. up? Yeah. Who am I gonna or call? Like, yeah. Like in London, I use City Mapper all the time. I wouldn't be able to find anywhere in London, and like no one's out there walking around with a paper map. Yeah, I know. So it's unfortunate sometimes mm. when I think about ex- the the accessibility that we have. But also, yeah. then I have a double edged sword because like like we're doing like you're in London right now, and I got family overseas. I got family in Congo still, and For I can sure. just easily jump on WhatsApp and call them. Boom. Yeah. What's good? Hey, how's it going? Which is something that like way back we used to have to get a phone. Yeah. card you know what i'm saying time at the right time like yo be by your phone at this time i'm gonna be by my phone at this time <laughs> call them chop yeah. it up everything was you know so mm-hmm. arranged but now you know i can facetime my aunt that i haven't yeah. seen in years and she could be in, in manchester and i can be like hey what's good and that's kind of cool too you know so everything has yeah. like this double of like i love that but, we're yeah. able to do this but it's too bad that we're like enslaved sure. by it and even like instagram which is like you know the scroll up the main one like for me that has been such a thing for my career like in terms of putting this podcast out and like trying to get people to listen to it or like if people want to contact me to do gigs it's all through instagram now so to lose it feels like you're cutting yourself off from opportunity as well it's like really enmeshed into there's like no escape from it it's it's crazy it's incredible because i I feel the exact same way i I get upset at myself that I use Instagram so much, but I'm like, yo, that, what, where else would I put, like, I'm not going to use a billboard. How else can I show, no, like, oh, no, I got a no. show coming Literally. up? And it's such, like, an amazing free, like, thing that we can access. If I've spent too long trying to, and it causes anxiety as well if you're posting things and, like, trying to see if people have liked the, like, the art that you've put out. You know, it's, it's so hard to separate from it. It's, it's great. Yeah, everything is too too intertwined. I think about that a lot yeah. too when I post like a show flyer or a tour flyer and I'm like, all right, damn, this didn't get as many likes as, as I expected in the first hour. It was a failure. You know, so, so it yeah. created... I hate just, myself. It's just self-created <laughs> anxiety because of yeah, whatnot. And so. Hey, aunt. Hey. You do a great job in editing this podcast, might I say. If people like the podcast, what do they need to do? Like it. What else? Follow it on social media. And then what? They could share it with every single person they know. Thanks, Ant. You can go back to your corner now. Bye. In opposition to that, then, three things that make you feel like the shit. Okay, so one thing is I think I get, like, it's almost like a, it's going to sound wild, but, like, I get a high out of, like, uh, socializing. Like, if I'm mm-hmm. with a good group of friends, yeah, we're chopping it up. We might be doing anything, really, but we're kicking mm-hmm. it, chopping it up, telling jokes, having a good time. <laughs> that right there... It makes shit. me feel like the shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the shit right yeah. there. Kicking it, being around people. And that's one thing I love about music, really, because you're yeah. around people. You're around 
the opener or the headliner or the, you're backstage with your band you're backstage with the engineer and then you're performing yeah. to a group of people and then you get you know you chop it up with people it's, it's like it's like a little party all the time so and you really have to be in the moment don't you like if you're doing a gig or something like that you really have to be present with everyone like you're not going to be sat in a corner on your phone you're yeah. like you're with people exactly. and you're experiencing that thing together yes and that's actually one of the moments we just got done talking about uh you know being on our phones that's one of the moments where I'll neglect my phone the most. Yeah. The, the show day. Yeah. Because, like, you know, maybe right before that, I might be like, yo, come out to the show with such and such. But, uh-huh. like, once uh-huh. I get on stage, there's no time. I mean, as soon as yeah. I get off the stage, there's no time. I'm just chopping it up with people. So yeah. I really feel like I'm kind of backwards, not backwards, but when I said inactivity, um, like productivity. But not just, uh-huh. like, in terms of work, but, like, having a routine. When I, If I'm up mm. making breakfast, go yeah. to the gym, you know, go out for a run go do some errands, drive, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I knock things out of my list like that, that makes me feel like, you know, king of the world for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, I did something today. I I got up. I I made things happen. And that's why I hate just sitting around and lounging Mm. sometimes. But with that being said, that's why I got to tell myself, like, it's okay to lounge. Like, it's okay to sit down. Well, also, like, you kind of have to make time for, like, active rest as well. Like, and really, because I think there's a difference between, like, sitting watching TV or scrolling. That's kind of, like, grey time. But if you're, like, reading a book or, like, nourishing yourself and listening to music or something like that, yeah. that's, like, active rest, which is necessary. The one um, thing I do for active rest is actually just go outside and sit. Like, I'm not even with a book and not mm. even with music. Literally sit and just, like, notice things. I grow a lot of plants. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I... um. I tend to just. I can see in the corner actually. Yeah, there's some good plants. So. The vegetation here, but yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. Uh, this sounds like very naturalistic, but yeah, I do love to sit around the plants. I'm, for real, it's like so really nice. just notice them because it is a form yeah, of yeah. art itself too. It's almost like you're going to like uh-huh. a plant museum. So just being around <laughs> it, like that's a form of active resting that I've been trying to get myself to do more often. But one thing that does make me feel good is just general productivity, like moving around, uh-huh. being active. And my third thing I will say, you know, which might be predictable, is the act of making music. Like, when I'm writing, like actually writing in the lyrics, or if I'm in a studio and I'm actually like recording the lyrics, or being on stage performing the songs, or even like at rehearsal. Some band members, some musicians out there get tired of rehearsal. I love rehearsal. I love working on it, and I love chopping it up, and I love being in the studio and figuring things out, and I love sitting at my notebook and just writing i really mm. feel like i get like a a form of like like endorphins from making yeah, music yeah, you know yeah. what i'm saying like, i do love to listen to music and even my own music and i love to just mm. like you know promote music and all that but the act of making it is really what makes me feel like i said before it's almost as if i get a high out of creating and yeah, making yeah. music but it's like i guess it's that moment of like it lights a fire inside of you and it's like your brain's active and like your passion is there as well so it's like all of those things align at the same time yeah i honestly i wish i could like see my brain like you know what i'm saying like see the connectivity yeah, yeah. while this ha- while <laughs> this up. happening because yeah. i do i do think that like I have moments where I have writer's block and I'm walking around, I can't think of anything. And I'm sure that happens to like anyone, yeah. and then not just in the form of art, but even in forms of just like, you know, making things or just if yeah. you're an accountant, if you're, if you're in sales, or, you know, mm. you might have a block in terms of like, uh, yeah, your mind just have, might have a block. But sometimes I get to my notebook or I get to, you know, my, my iPhone notes or whatever it is. And the creativity just pours out of me, you know, and I'm like, oh, we should do this, yeah. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And that's when I'm really like on active mode and it really yeah. feels, it feels good. It makes me have like a great day, it makes me happy. I love when that happens. Okay, 
something that makes you lose your shit in a positive and a negative way? Um, the one thing that, like, in a positive way, and it's, it's related to what I mentioned before, but uh-huh. what I love, merging different groups of friends, you know what I'm saying? Nice. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know these people from music. I might know them from college. These are my mm. hometown friends or my family members, my cousins. Uh-huh. And when I merge all that and they become like tight, they become yeah, family, yeah. that shit, I get like a fire. You know what I'm saying? As in like, <laughs> look at what I created. Look at this giant <laughs> my empire. of <laughs> friends that I created. When I, when I hear yeah. that like two of my friends or three of them and I'm not there and they're kicking yeah. it with each other, I'm like... That's that's what I, that's what I live for right there. You know what I'm saying? That's so nice. I love yeah, that. Yeah. I love I love seeing that. And there's something I get from like like I said from from socializing. But yeah. that's something that makes me positively lose my shit right there. You know what I'm saying? I so love that. I yeah. love I love to hear that. I want more people to feel that way because I feel like a, a lot yeah. a lot of friends like a lot of people like segregate the groups of friends. Yeah, people keep people to themselves, don't they? Exactly. I think maybe it's because they have different versions of themselves with those people. So it would be like a clash of all the characters that you are if you got them all in the same room no and that makes sense i, I feel yeah. like I, you know i feel like i have different versions of myself and i do a little bit of code switching and changing of languages but however like i want all those worlds to collide sometimes you know what i'm yeah. saying and I, I say collide but maybe collide is not a good word but merge combine yeah that's something that makes me positively lose my shit i'd, I'd say yeah. um now on the negative aspect i get mad at myself for being mad if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So like, yeah. if I let myself get upset or get mad or get angry, that in and itself makes me mad. So yeah, I yeah. lose my shit when I let negative things dwell in my mind for too long. If I'm upset, mm-hmm. if I'm angry about something, it's just, it, I get stressed out from the fact that I let that make me, make me mad. And so I like to live a very peaceful life, a very, you know, easygoing, mm-hmm. chill type personality. And, uh, one thing that I will say makes me lose my shit is just having a bad day. Like, you know, I'll be at the end of the yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll tell myself, like, how'd you let that happen to you? You know what I'm saying? Like, how'd you let that affect yeah, you in yeah. such a negative way? So, yeah, it's funny because I guess being mad is already losing your shit. Yeah. But being mad at being mad is what, I, is what I'm referring to. God, that's interesting. I feel like from the answers that you're given, you hold yourself to a very high standards <laughs> because I think um, it's like so human to get angry about things and to be idle sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think I do do a little too much of like self-correcting. Um, but yeah, that is one thing. I mean, it's normal to be mad. I agree. When we moved from Quebec to Texas, I really hated mm. it. Like, I was so mad. I hated how hot it was, first of all. I hated that I <laughs> couldn't speak English. I couldn't make friends like yeah. that. I hated that, for one, I was obsessed with hockey when I was still in Canada, you know what I'm saying? And mm. it wasn't really like that here yeah, yet. Yeah, you know? So I was really upset and angry all the time. And so it became yeah. like a thing where my family would say, like, David gets mad at everything. David was always mad. David, look at him. David needs yeah, angry. Yeah, yeah. David was always mad about shit. So I'm like, I. Right, like, I made it, like, I had a journey in my life at a young age where I was like, oh, yeah. you know what? I'm not going to let things make me mad. Wow. Just to prove y'all wrong, I'm not going <laughs> to let things make me mad. And over time, mm. it's created this, like, personality where I'm like, I try not to just, I try not to spend that kind of energy on, on things and yeah. be angry or be mad. I try to, like, look at the, like, the silver lining of, uh, mm. of any situation. But, like you're yeah. saying, it's human to be mad. So, like. You know, yeah. maybe I should let myself be mad more often. I think it depends, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it sounds like such an amazing quality to be able to see the positive in any situation. I read something that, like, anger is at your body letting you know that a boundary has been crossed. So I think sometimes it's useful to, like, like hold on to that as well. 
because I think sometimes I've I mistake anger for like being upset and it's a different feeling I've kind of had to like train myself to know when I'm angry as opposed to when I'm sad yeah that's a really good point because I think I have that issue too or like yeah, am I really angry hard. or are you just like sad about the situation are you upset about the situation that you found some shit out about yourself? Um, I want to say that I saw, I went to like maybe two, maybe one, um, but one that really stuck with me, a therapy session. And it, it went, mm. I went a long time in my life without having therapy. And uh, when I was in it, I was explaining myself to this therapist and uh, it hit me that I have a pretty profound, pretty profound level of anxiety, I think. And I think the issue, I mean, like, well, my form of anxiety, I think a lot of people have it, but I'm saying like, is <clears throat> like I said before that I don't like to get mad. There's a part in my mind that if I'm having a bad day or if I'm upset or if I'm angry, there's a part of my mind that tells me like, who are you to be angry? Like, who are you to have a bad day? Look, look at your life, like the audacity you have to have a bad day. Mm. And so almost like it's a constant battle of I need to be grateful for this and I shouldn't be mad at such and such or whatnot. And yeah. I say that because, you know, my family, my entire family, we're all, we're all immigrants. So my mother came from Congo. Uh-huh. And so I feel like I'm only one, you know, I'm only a few years removed from, from that. Yeah. And so when I think about the life I live here with like the level of comfort that we might have, I compare myself to everyone in the world. You know, like I walk around, compare myself to everyone in the world. I'm like, well, what if you lived yeah. this life? And what if you were over there? Like, imagine that. You know, imagine if you were still in Congo like your mother was or some of your cousins are. And so because of that, if I have a silly, shitty day at work or something, if I, if I step off the stage and I'm like, man, I'm tired. I'm tired because of this travel. I'm tired of this this layover was too long or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I start to almost, like, hate myself in my mind because I'm like, yo, I can't believe you're complaining about something like this. And so... Mm. I found out when I was talking, I was chopping it up with this therapist that like, I don't let myself feel certain emotions. And I think that if I did, I would have less anxiety. You know, I would think yeah. less. And because I'm always trying to correct what's going on or correct, self-correct or really trying to like change, improve. You know, I'm always trying to improve myself in a situation. I don't spend enough time basking myself in the emotion, the natural emotion that I might have, you know? And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think it's because I spend a lot of time comparing myself to, I don't know how to explain it. It sounds like I say, I mean, I said everyone, but I'm trying to say like people who are less fortunate, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, of course. And so I think that so much, that is something that I found out of myself, that that, that me being too aware of everything outside uh. of my own life is what has created a certain level of anxiety in my mind. So. I think everyone kind of has that level of, a certain level of anxiety. Yeah, I think I think so. And I think, you know, everything that you've just explained completely makes sense as to why you would feel like that. And I think when, like, emotions are so much, like, you push them down and you try to avoid them, but they just kind of sprout out in different places anyway because, you know, they want to be felt. Um, but, yeah, I guess... I think it kind of ties back to that thing of what you were saying about like holding yourself to like a high standard and stuff like that and just being kind to yourself isn't it in those moments without the self-judgment if you can of like allowing yourself to feel that thing and it to be valid as well i think you know something else that like from what we're talking about that like Mm. i feel like 
I found out about myself is I think that, and we mentioned this re- really early on, um, I think I'm just now starting to feel like, I'm just now starting to feel proud of myself, I think. You know, I think that like when I was younger or not even younger, just before, even if I achieve something, it's almost as if, as if I was supposed to. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I did this, I'm like, I should have done that anyways. I did this, yeah, like, yo, yeah. that, that should have came anyways. And yeah. it took a time, it took a long time for me to be like, yo, pat yourself on the back. You you just yeah. accomplished something really cool, you know, yeah, something really yeah. dope. And yeah. um, I think I'm not sure where you know where it all stems from. Like I said, it might be because of my upbringing, my family, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I do feel like I'm pretty privileged and pretty blessed in to yeah. an aspect where like just just because I live here, just because just from being yeah. brought here from my family, uh, course, by, yeah. by my mother, rather. And I think yeah. that because I'm blessed, sometimes I don't look at it the same way, but I'm just now mm-hmm. starting to really be like, yo, I'm proud of myself. I'm doing things the right way or doing things that I wanted to do. Oh my and gosh, yeah. I think I, uh, I used to value other people's validation too much. You know, like if my brother mm. was like, hey, good job. I'm like, damn, that means I did a good job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if my boys yeah. are like, yo, yeah, good yeah, job, yeah. this song is dope. Like, damn, that means you did a good job. But I'm just now being able to tell myself like, yo, you you that man, bro. You the shit. You know what I'm saying? That's amazing. So, yeah, and I yeah. think it's given me a different perspective on life. Um, you know, That's so good. That well, it's kind of like what you were saying about when you're doing that gig in London, you're kind of able to give yourself the props for that moment. From what I'm hearing, like, it's not a normal journey that you've been on to the achievements that you've made. Like, not everyone's doing that. There's something in you that is achieving that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, thank you for that. It means a lot to me. Appreciate it. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the external validation for you. <laughs> validation is still there. But, but, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I think that, you know, it, yeah. it's crazy. I've only been to therapy maybe twice. Um, mm-hmm. I know people that do it weekly. It yeah, does... Yeah. Um, and therapy is one thing, but like just talking to people, you know what I'm saying? Like really breaking 100%. a lot of men in my life, we don't deep dive enough. Like we chop it up yeah. and it's always like surface level, but mm-hmm. we don't really like empty our emotions on people, you know? And once you do that is when yeah. you find some shit out about yourself. Like, you, you know, like you asked, so it's like, yeah. I want to suggest to everyone, like talk to somebody. Therapy is dope too, but like go 100%. talk to someone, have a, a yeah. real conversation and you're going to yeah. find things about yourself. And uh, it's that thing of like, you know, people say, hey, how are you? And people are like, yeah, okay. But then if you say it twice, how are you again? That's when you get the actual answer. 100%. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, shittiest piece of advice you received? Uh, yeah, shittiest piece of advice I received, I want to say, is when people say, when, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life again or something like that. Oh, right? yeah. And it's like, <laughs> that, I think it's almost like the opposite. So yeah. I think that, like, if you find something you love, and it's for work, mm. you'll end up constantly working, like, all the time. That's <laughs> yeah, so true. You won't, you won't have, be able to switch off from it. Yeah, you won't <laughs> even have hours. Like, you'll just constantly be working all the time. Like, I yeah, wake yeah. up and immediately, it's like, it's you're essentially always working. Mm-hmm. The thing that I will say to refute that shitty piece of advice is, if you do something you love, then you'll enjoy working. So you'll be working all the time, but you'll, yeah. you'll really enjoy it. You'll get, like, you'll feel rewarded by it. You know, mm. you'll love your work, you know. And I would encourage and I would love for everyone to find the work that they really love to do because then you're going to love yeah. doing it. But yeah. this idea that, like, you won't work a day in life, like, nah, it's still work. Work is work. Work is always going to be work. Love it, you know. Find something that you love. I, I, I wish that for everyone in the world. I wish that everyone could actually mm. be doing what they want to do. You know, and yeah. be on a journey of which we're, we're like, this is where I'm supposed to be going. So that piece of advice, I think, 
is shitty, but yeah. the one I mentioned before. But I do think that there is a version of it that's like, nah, do what you want to do, and it'll make you enjoy every day. But it's like, you know, find something that you love and work at it, almost. It's that idea of, like, you're never going to reach perfection with it, or you're never going to complete that thing. Like, I guess that's the thing that working at it keeps the driving forwards, because otherwise you can become idle with the thing that you love and stuff like that, you know? Especially when you're... Um, like well I'm like self-employed for example so being an actor is like me having to search for the things and having to keep the energy up and the momentum and it, having to view it as work and not just a hobby you know yeah and I think I think once you view it as work is really when it's like you I mean you you probably you start to get better at it you know you start to focus yeah, yeah. on it you, st- you start to think of it differently um, when I was a kid and I was just rapping, you know, in the schoolyards or whatnot, you know what I'm saying? Rapping to my friends or whatever, putting out mixtapes on CDs. It was cool. <laughs> but now I really approach the day as work. You know what I'm saying? You approach the day mm. as in like, you know, what did you accomplish today? What are you going to accomplish next? What are the moves? What's on yeah, the docket? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What's on, what's, on the, what's on the calendar? What's on the come up? But I love it. I love sitting down and planning and brainstorming and figuring things out. Yeah. You know? Not just the aspect, not just art, but the career aspect too, you know, like mm. the, everything around the business aspect around um, chasing the art that you want to do. And I'm sure you understand this exact same thing yeah. as an actor in the realm of creativity. You know, it's the same yeah. thing. I'm like, yeah, I love acting. You love love movies, but also like it's a business. And so 100%, yeah. find a space of which you enjoy it and then, then you'll enjoy it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. Shit you wish you'd known sooner. Well... Shit that I wish I knew sooner, which I think is on, like, the same theme of this podcast, is that mm-hmm. no one really has their shit together. I mean, no one has it together as well as they may, may appear, I think. So uh-huh. I think that, like, if I knew that sooner, I think I spend a lot of time in my life comparing myself to, like, yeah. everyone around me or close to mm-hmm. me or even people I didn't know, like, people from very far that might be in the same industry or even if not just like if they're just living a life that I look at them living their life and I'm like damn he's he's doing well she's doing she's yeah. doing it right you know and we don't know none of that like the That's same way true. I mentioned before that everything is surface level when we have conversations everything is the signaling theory like people have clothes on for you to see what they're wearing and they might have a car for you to see what they're driving and they oh have a, God, a house yeah, yeah. that particular house that particular apartment is there for you to look at so you can uh-huh. see that However, you don't know what's in there. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, God, you can't so let true. yourself get stressed out of, of just the surface of something. And so I think that if I had known that sooner in my life, and which is okay, it's okay that I, you know, that I found it out later on too. But if I had known that yeah. sooner in my life, I think that I would understand. Uh, I, I would have been less hard on myself, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have yeah. been, been less hard on myself if I was like, nah, but everybody's in the same game. And I Literally. think I, um, I went to school... <clears throat> Over there, I mean, in Dallas, Dallas-Fort Worth. And uh, mm-hmm. I was in a town called Euless, Texas, but, I, but but my high school was in a very affluent, very rich neighborhood. And yeah. I remember as a kid, like, I'm on free lunch, and this kid right next to me drove to school in a Mercedes-Benz, like, sitting right next to me, you know what I'm saying? Oh God, and the yeah. life that they live, I'm, I'm in an apartment, me and my two brothers, we share the same room. Yeah. I go to this kid's house, it's one kid, the house has six bedrooms. And I'm thinking to myself, like, damn, this is a life. Like, look at their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the more and more I grew, the older I got, I realized I would never trade anything that they, like, with me, like, my life with them yeah. in any, in, at, at any aspect. Because of yeah. how they lived their life and how I lived my life, how, how satisfied I was with what I, mm. what I lived or how I am today. Like, everything that I've had, everything I've gone through 
created the person I am today. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, even besides that, though, everybody has their own issues. So mm. you wouldn't trade your shit with her shit or that or his shit. No one would trade it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's no, it's not worth it. So I'm saying like, yeah. if I had known that, I would have been less hard on myself. I would enjoy days differently, I think. But I'm yeah. glad that I've came to that realization that like, ain't nobody got their shit together. Everybody's on the I same, the same <laughs> journey. We asked you to prepare a shit shot. So that's a photo that to the outside eye looked like you had your shit together. But at the time that it was taken, you felt like you didn't. Yes. Uh, let me find that shit shot for y'all. Because mm-hmm. it is... Because uh, I have a few shit shots. I love that. But right here is a shit shot of me performing, doing South by Southwest. Yeah. Oh, my world. God. But I remember playing a show at South by, and I opened up for, I opened up, I opened up for Shanti. So it was really mm. cool. My family was hitting me up. They were hollering at me like, yo, oh baby, you really, you know, you moving in the way that like you should have been yeah. in, uh, in a way that you said you were going to move. And so everyone, I think, on the external was really happy or proud of me. And I'm thankful. And it was like they, they was living that life. You know what I'm saying? But that moment happened not too long from, you know, I had a day job. I got fired from my day job um, and I was on unemployment for a while. I was really stressed out. I felt like, I kind of felt, I felt like a loser, honestly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to yeah, like yeah. get too profound, but like, I felt like I wasn't much almost. Cause I'm like, man, like yeah. what, am, what am I really doing in my life? You know, I'm living like yeah. paycheck to paycheck and that paycheck yeah. at that moment was an unemployment paycheck. And I didn't feel, feel very proud of myself at the time. But however, I kept it going with the music shit. You know what I'm saying? I was still playing shows doing things I was proud of, playing a, playing the South by Southwest Music Festival, and, you know, everyone was super proud of me and, apl- and applauding, but in my mind, it's almost like I had, like, a certain level of, uh, a certain level of um, imposter syndrome is what they call it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 of course. And it's like that, I've had that, where it's like the disconnect from how other people view you and where you're at with your life and your actual, like, day-to-day existence and, like, the disparity between that has like definitely fucked with my head before because you kind of like pride stops you from wanting to let them know that you're not where they think you are and then actually you just feel so far away from it it's it's a it's 100 a head fuck because it's like because you got to play the game too like if people are around <laughs> yeah, you like, yeah they're like yo good job you know high-fiving you hugging you you can't be like nah hey, but by the way i'm depressed so get out of my face you know, you know what i'm saying so you can't you can't be on that shit so you gotta you know you gotta even tell yourself it's almost like yeah. a, it's like cyclical. It's mad. You know? It's a cash yeah. money too, where you got to tell yourself you're, yeah. you're doing well, but then, oh, but I don't feel well, you know, but, and so. And there's something about this career, I think, like with music and with acting, that like, we only want to show our successes because it just makes you seem like it's more of a smooth success story right. rather than the fact that it's actually like a fucking roller coaster and there'll be a moment when you're up and then there'll be like a year when you're down and you're out of work and, and, but that's not the story that anyone wants to share because it's not the idealized view of these careers. Yeah, exactly. So you have to show like, you know, just yeah. the highlights. You know, you can't show the, I yeah, guess yeah. you can call them lowlights. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, um, I, I, I just remember not feeling great about myself. However, mm-hmm. I've gotten over that. But yeah, I, I do think Amazing. that I say that to say that like from the, from the outside, it yeah. looked great to everybody, you know what I'm saying? But like yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone else understood, like, no, nah, my shit is not together right now. I'm I'm yeah. living a very stressful, 
life in many ways of the world, in many ways of the world. Yeah. But like now, I'm like, I think my, I think about that now, and I'm like, man, I, I was alright. Like I don't, I'm not sure why I let myself think that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because having your shit together is subjective, right? So it oh, doesn't sure. really, in many aspects of the world, or the phrase rather, I had my shit together. I just at that moment uh-huh. felt like I did, and so. Yeah. Um, and it looked like I did to everybody in the world. I mean, to people that know me. And so <laughs> if I could conclude in any way, I think that having your shit together is subjective, like I said before. It's yeah. a state of mind, you know what I'm saying, that you got to uh-huh. yourself put yourself into. So I think yeah. in many ways of the word, everyone has their shit together, but also uh-huh. no one has their shit together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. Love that. Yeah. So that brings us to the final question. David, have you got your shit together? <laughs> I think, damn, I don't know why. I said all that and and now this (laughs) question is very hard. I think I do. I very much think uh, that I have my shit together. I I think I have my shit together. I think I've always had my shit together. And I think that everyone has their shit together because I think in in a very, very many different aspects of the word of the phrase, it's all about you. It's about your state of mind. You know what I'm saying? So like, I might have had moments where I felt like I didn't have my shit together, and I might have yeah. had moments where, like, nah, this, uh, my shit is definitely not together. My shit is everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all over yeah. the room. But nah, I think I got my shit together, and anybody listening, y'all in the room over there, you know what I'm saying? Aunt in the back, I see you. Every, everybody, <laughs> y'all got, we have our shit together because yeah. we have, we've been dealt many different hands, many different ways to play the game, but we're all playing the game. And I think that, yeah. uh, I think I have my shit together personally. Very well so, actually. I love that. So, thank you. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been so nice speaking to you. Thank you so much for having me. And I, um, I'm, I'm thankful and grateful that, uh, that I was invited and I hope people Absolutely. enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. This podcast is produced by Ant Hickman. The artwork is produced by Tim Saunders and the photography is by Patch Bell. A massive thank you to Cassia for letting us use their song Slow. See you on the next episode of Have You Got Your Shit Together? Now and then I'm just a little bit low I always try to lose my mind in a conversation with you